This is the Reluctant Leader Podcast. The podcast designed to help you step out of the shadows and become an inspirational leader. I'm your host, Mark Terrell, and each episode I will be getting to grips with a leadership topic by interviewing an expert in their field. I'll be picking their brains for those golden nuggets that will help you be the best you can be. Make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing at thereluctantleader.co.uk and please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. So let's get on with the show. Today's podcast is going to be a bit different than the rest. I'm going to be in the hot seat and I'm going to be interviewed by Jo Duncan. Uh, she's been a friend of mine. She's a marketer and you'll hear a bit more about her when I introduce her. And the purpose of this podcast is to explain why I've, I've done it. Why have I started a podcast? Why have I started the Reluctant Leader Project? And hopefully you will find out more about why I do it, why I've done it, what the plans are for the future. And also some bits of information that uh, I wasn't quite um, think, uh, thinking I was going to share. But hey, you're going to find out a bit more about me in this episode. So I hope you enjoy it and see you on the other side. So welcome to this launch, launch edition of the Reluctant Leader podcast. It's going to be a bit different than the normal podcast episode because I'm not going to be the one that's interviewing and I'm going to be interviewed by my friend, Joe. Um, so welcome, Joe. Hello. So Joe, um, I've known for some time. She's a friend and she is the founder of Lean Content as a marketing company. She's written some books about marketing, which are well worth checking out. Um, and in her spare time, she's been known to do some stand-up comedy, which, uh, um, again, I'm sure is worth checking out. So uh, this is the last you'll hear from me as an interviewer. I'm going to pass you over to Jo, and she's the one that's going to be asking the questions of me. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Thanks, Mark. Um, so I, I'm really excited to, to be on The Reluctant Leader, and um, it's going to be interesting today to delve into your insights a little bit and your experience but before we start talking about leadership and and um the journey you've been on mm -hmm. could you tell us something that no one else knows about you tell us a little nugget <laughs> um i i thought you would do something like this, like this to me um um what well one thing that's most people don't know about me apart from the ones that are very close to me is that i'm a bit of a closet um train spotter <laughs> uh, um, it started when I was quite young it's something about trains I don't know what it is and um, um, whenever I've got the opportunity I take the train um, and you, you'll be you, know, you won't be surprised to know that there's actually YouTube channels that you can actually watch trains these days which you can pretty much do anything on YouTube these days so um, sometimes when I want to take myself off and just switch off Sometime it's just I can just go there and just watch some trains going by, and it's amazing how that can change my um, frame of mind. Wow, I didn't expect that. I think that's really cool, though. Train spotting. Yeah. It's and, and it must be really relaxing. It's I'm not sure. I'm not sure many people will call it cool, but they they wow. you know each to their own, isn't it? Yeah, I can imagine sitting <laughs> by the side of a railway platform just watching the trains go past is quite therapeutic. Yeah, well, they, I think it started because I, I, I um, used to live in St. Neots, which is in Cambridgeshire, and that was the, the, the line where the first 
um, in City 125 started running. And I used to just be fascinated by these trains that just go past so fast. And I think that's where it all started. It was just, uh, you know, something that was new. Um, and they're still around now. Well, they're just, just about to be phased out on um, some of the lines, but they're still around. Uh, and that, I think that was the trigger. Wow. So, uh, so you're a secret train spotter. Well, uh, not so secret now. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So today we're going to talk about your leadership journey because obviously you're a you're a leadership coach, mm-hmm. and the program that you run is called the Reluctant Leader. Yeah. Um, but it's coming from a personal place, isn't it? With you, it's not. It's a journey that you've also been on, um, and that's why you do it. I think you work with people who. Mm. Um, who like yourself have have had their have had their own journey. So I think mm. it'd be really interesting to find out a little bit about the leadership challenges that you faced and mm. the journey that you've been on. Tell us about, um, I guess, tell us about a time when when you felt that you couldn't do what was expected of you. Right. Well, I, I think um, just going back a bit to when I my leadership journey, um, I, I joined a family retail business straight from school back in the early 80s. And um, at those times, I, I was just I just got a job and my dad was the most persuasive, persuasive and decided that he wanted me to join the business. Um, and so I went along with his, um, his plan. Um, and as time went by, I gradually took on more and more responsibility, not really thinking about it, and I just I sort of did it. Um, and then it come to a point, um, I don't know, I expect about 15, 15 years in, that I was making most of the decisions, and which is fine on, in, in short term, but when it comes to having to make all the decisions long term and on a consistent basis, um, sometimes that can become a bit wearing. And I wasn't really prepared for it. I wasn't. I wasn't thinking. Oh, at some point in the future, I will be in charge of a team. Uh, so I need to get all the, the the right skills and know how and all those things that I need to beforehand to stop me for falling into you know the traps that that come along. Obviously, I wasn't thinking like that. In hindsight, what I should have done was been a bit more aware of the journey I was going on where I was likely to end up um, because, you know, naturally that's what generally happens when you join a business, you sort of go through the ranks and take on more, more responsibility. Uh, and when it comes to the point where my father had left the business, um, I had shared responsibility with my elder brother, but I felt that I was taking most of the responsibility on, on key decisions. Um, and it was there when I really was at my lowest, I suppose, um, didn't really know where to turn, didn't know really what to do and just got on with it, which, uh, which was a bit of a, a sad time really, and probably lasted far too long. So tell me in a bit more detail, what, what specifically it was that you found so, so tough? Um, because obviously it sounds like it was a situation you had, you had no choice in. You just mm. found yourself in that situation. You were yeah. unprepared. But in terms of like, let's make it really, really practical for your listeners. In the day-to-day doing of your job that you had at the time, what mm. was the stuff that was really difficult? Uh, I think the things that were really difficult was um, not having all the answers and yeah. feeling pressured into feeling that I should have the answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then feeling bad when I didn't and um, beating myself up about that. 
I um, talk a lot now about what I call the sponge effect in that you get to a point where you're just soaking up all this, you know, you need to take, take on all this uh, responsibility uh, to a point where you actually, you can't take any more on. So like yeah. a sponge, it, it takes come to a point where it can soak up all the water or the liquid um, to, to a point where it cannot take any more on. And I felt a lot of the time I was like that. I, I felt as if um, it was all a bit too much. And I can remember times when I would just disappear. I would just grab my golf clubs and just go and wander around on a golf course, hitting balls aimlessly, just to be out of the way so that there wasn't anybody else coming to ask me to make decisions on their behalf. Yeah. You know, and that's not I a think- criticism for them. It was, it was my, I didn't have the, um, the, the, the skills and the, uh, hadn't come up uh, across how I can dealt deal with it. I just hadn't found a, a system of, of um, dealing with it all. Well, I think that's quite common, isn't it? Decision fatigue, which is mm. where you get to the point where you cannot make any more decisions. Um, mm. And you just feel like, okay, I would rather do almost anything else but this. Um, and then procrastination comes in or avoidance comes in mm. because you feel like you can't, you can't physically take on any more information. And I remember when I started uh, Lean Content, I was being given advice from every different direction and I was being told different things by different people. And it got to the point where I just felt stuck. Mm. I felt really stuck and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to turn to, but I also felt like I couldn't turn to anyone because I didn't want to admit that I didn't know what to do next Mm. or I didn't know how to, you know, I didn't know how to deal with the mountain of decisions and work that comes with, every kind of leadership position and once you've experienced it and, and you've lived with it yourself um you look back and you think god yeah you know i really was ill-equipped at that time to to make any kind of decisions but you just have to get on with it so you said that you got on with it mm. um tell us that, about that pivotal moment that you got to when you realized you needed help well, I, I was actually really lucky in that our business was um, successful. It, it continued to grow. And I, I had a get-out clause in that um, we had someone knock on the door one day and wanted to buy uh, the part of the business I was running. Um, so that was what happened to me. And I, w- I was just a very lucky. So at that point, I still didn't have um, – I, w- I was looking for that opportunity to get out. And when it came along, obviously – um, interestingly, though, interestingly, though, that when they first turned up and said, oh, you know, would you like to sell? Um, we said no, which was weird because um, it was it turned out to be the perfect time for me and, and, and um, my brother at the time. And um, but for some reason, we couldn't allow ourselves to say, well, we could sell this business because it, it almost had been a labor of love from you know, the time we left school. And I mean, dad, my dad had um, started a year or so before that. Uh, and it's funny how you get attached to something that you actually don't enjoy doing, but you're still attached to something. Um, so I, I got a get out, get out clause and it was, wasn't until I left and sold that business that I got the opportunity to, to find, well, what should I have done? I had the breathing space to think, right, okay, what should I have done? What could I have done better? 
And then I started to stumble across uh, some tools and, and programs and bits and pieces that I just wish I had at the time. And I thought, gosh, if only I'd had this then, then how things would have been so much different. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's the, the reason why I do what I do. Uh, I, I couldn't imagine doing what I do now, you know, five years ago. Everyone said that you'll be, you know, helping business leaders and business owners with all sorts of things that, uh, about leading their business. I, I would have said, don't be, don't be ridiculous. Why on earth would I be doing that? But now I've experienced it. I now have got those tools. I just want to help those businesses or business owners um, not to get uh, or make the mistakes I did uh, and, and realize that their leadership role um, can be really enjoyable yeah. if, you've got, if you've got the right skills uh, yeah. and, and know-how. Okay. Well, that's really interesting because I think it's a process a lot of people can relate to because mm. usually we all get to the point where we're overwhelmed and then we, we have to stop. Now, and in your case, you got the time because the business was sold and then you had the time to slow things down. Mm. So I guess a kind of a lesson there is that if you are feeling overwhelmed and if you are swamped, there's nothing wrong with stopping and taking a step back and looking at the situation um, from a different perspective, taking some time out to actually reconsider. And and it's weird because you feel as a business leader sometimes that you haven't got time to stop mm. and that you have to keep going and maintain the momentum almost forever. But actually taking time out to reconsider things and, and do some training is mm. really well spent. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I missed that opportunity so many times when I could have taken time out. And I, I, I couldn't justify it to myself I thought no I've got to be here I've got to work I've got to be here to make the decisions all that stuff but actually what you need to do is actually be kind to yourself first of all and realize what you need yeah I totally agree so let's imagine then that your your listeners are going to want to maybe have one or two real key things that you learned in that time when you were you were getting your head around Mm -hmm. being a good leader yeah tell us tell us one or maybe two really useful strategies that people can put in place themselves. Okay. So I think the most important thing is, is to find people that will support you. Um, people that are in similar situations that are, will understand what it's like to be running, uh, leading a business, um, and being a business owner. I think that's important. I didn't reach out enough. Also, I'd say that probably be before that I would I would highly recommend finding out a bit more about yourself. And there's various ways you can do that these days, of different diagnostic tools, et cetera. But once you understand yourself better, you can actually start making better decisions on behalf of yourself. Uh, and then you actually become a better leader because you first of all learn what your strengths are and also your possible blind spots which um, could be called just your weaknesses. But once you understand that, then you then understand more about other people and what their, their style and their behavioral styles are and what their motivations are and how you can help them. So you become more of a, um, almost like a servant to your people, but not in a way that you're subservient. It's about, you know, you are there to support them and then they, you get the best out of them, which then takes the workload away from you because you're giving them actually what they want. Um, I think that the big thing about this is the isolation thing. 
not if you, if you ever feel that you're isolated then that's when you really need to start thinking right i need to put myself first i need to find out what's going on um because if this is not going to go the right way if i don't do something about it so if you ever feel about uh, if you ever feel isolated there are many ways that you can find out what's going on uh, and and then the tools um that I recommend uh, are obviously the motivational maps, which I've used um, for since I, I started my business. They have been transformational personally and to many of my clients because once we know why we do something, that's the, that's the crux. If we know why we do something and also why we don't do something or other things, then it all sort of then starts to make sense as to why you don't enjoy making decisions on behalf of others. Why is it that you're not driven to, to make money? Which is weird, isn't it? The amount of times I come across people that actually aren't driven to make money, that have got a business. And you'd assume most people were, but actually most people aren't, surprisingly enough. Um, yeah. So when, you, when you've got a, a, a handle on that sort of stuff, then that helps a lot. Uh, um, I've probably gone off completely what you asked me, but it's, it's just <laughs> just what I do. So let's just go back over that then. So basically, mm. there's a, there's almost like a three step process that you've identified, mm-hmm. and and it's really useful. So let's just go back over it. Step number one: if you're a leader and you're feeling overwhelmed, get support. Mm-hmm. Reach out to somebody. Don't don't um, don't shoulder the burden all yourself and it doesn't necessarily have to be um you know a colleague it could be a friend it could be anybody but Mm. just get support and help from somebody else who can understand your situation and talk about it and that's step one step two is to get to know yourself a little bit better Mm. and you talked about knowing your own limits but also knowing your team better so that you're able to delegate so that you're Mm. able to say i don't need to do it all because I don't do this as well as this person who enjoys doing it. And I don't really. And if you know yourself then you also know your own sort of blind spots and you talked about your, the bits that you didn't know about Mm. yourself, the bits that you couldn't handle that you didn't understand, but also your strengths and the things that you were good at. And you can play to your strengths as a leader and really delegate everything, almost everything else. Mm. And I think, you know, that's something I massively relate to. It took me, probably 10 months of struggling before I began to effectively delegate to anybody else before I hired a team. It got to the point where I was, I was dealing with almost, you know, three times the amount of work that I should have been dealing with before I turned around and said, actually I need now is the time to, to ask for help. And as soon as I asked for help, it was like a massive burden had been lifted off. Mm. And I think, you're right in that the first step is getting support and reaching out to somebody, but ultimately you can't do it all yourself. And if you want your business to grow, you've got to delegate. And that's a really useful second step. And then the third step I think you identified was to get in touch with your own why, mm. why you do it. And once you've got in touch with your own motivational uh, you said motivational maps, but it's almost just like what motivates you? What's the purpose of your business? What are you trying to achieve? Then you're able to put in place a process or some tools, but you're really able to kind of set out some targets and set out some goals and and kind of start the process of stepping forwards. Um, and that's also something I relate to. You know, it mm. takes a very long time to 
to work out where you really want to end up. And you're right in that most people don't want money. Mm. Actually, most of us have very different goals, but most of us don't think about that stuff. So what, yeah. Mark, was the result after all this, mm. after your process that you went through, after getting help, after getting to understand your own limitations, delegating, and then getting in touch with your own motivation, mm. what happened next? What was the result for you? Well, obviously, this is since um, um, I've learned a hell of a lot since I sold, sold my business. Um, but it was it was where I learned, uh, you know, whether I needed to learn it or, or not. I, I definitely learned a lot, load of stuff which I didn't handle very well. Um, and you know, I, I was not a happy bunny for a long time, which 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 is sad, isn't it? You know, why why would you want to keep going to work and not really enjoy what you're doing? Uh, and, and I think that is a typical scenario where people, um, like you've just described, that you you don't allow yourself to ask for help because you think, well, I should know this stuff or I should be able to do this stuff. Um, but once you realize that actually you can't do it all and you need your team around you. Now, when I say team, I don't I don't talk about people that I'm employing. Uh, because I know that one of the, the things that I don't want to do is actually be responsible for people. That's one of the things that doesn't drive me. Drive me. So there's various ways that you can get support these days. Um, it doesn't have to be. It can be re- remote, where people can support you in, in a, all sorts of ways. But making sure that you've got that support, in, in you know whether it's admin support or whether it's just uh, someone that actually you know listens to you on a coaching basis or someone that actually is more you know, um, advisory, whatever it is, whatever you feel you need, then just take it when you need it. And you will be, your body will tell you when you need it because you will be, I, I hesitate to say stress because obviously stress is lots of things, but when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you've got too much on your plate, not only is it not a good place to be, you actually don't make very good decisions either, do you? I'm sure that, I'm sure you, you've come across that where you, you really are struggling um, to get the energy that you need, uh, you keep making decisions, but you're not probably making the best decisions because you're not in the best place. So you need that support. Um, and you need that team around you that you can lean on when you need to. Um, and one of the things that I think that I didn't, I didn't do any of actually before was actually networking. So networking is, is a new thing I've, I've done in the last three or four years since I've, I've been coaching and it's not about going out and finding clients most of the time it's actually going out and finding people that you can actually you know relate to and they can support you and you can check in with and all those things that's far more valuable than the clients you may may um, pick up eventually because you know you you don't go networking and pick up clients instantly that just never happens but once you you do go out there, you are finding people or talking to people that are in a similar situation. So they're, they're an ideal place to find people that can support you in, in, in all those ways, you know, just the sounding board or, you know, just people that you can just meet up with that are in a similar situation. And the ideal situation is for people that work with similar sort of clients to you that do something completely different. And you know, that's an ideal situation where you can actually help one another. Um, but I think I, I, I strongly believe that you need a tribe around you 
um, whether it's the tribe that you, you are not so much responsible for, but a tribe of people that you relate to and they get you, that's really important. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, the support thing is, is, is vital, I think. Uh, yeah, definitely. And that, that is part of the reason, the inspiration for Reluctant Leader and doing the podcast and all the other stuff that's going to come along is to give a resource for people to talk, check in with, you know, so there, there's people I'll be talking to during the, these podcasts and the things that I talk about hopefully will help people make better decisions, give them information that will help them be a better leader and also um, help them make better decisions from a better place. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's really, really good. So let's just, I'm just going to reiterate some of what you just said. Um, and I think it's really important that if you are in a leadership position or you're running your own business or you're running a large team and you feel um, overwhelmed, that you're not alone, go out, get help, go networking, not to get clients like you said, but go networking to meet people in a similar boat mm. and to share and communicate what you're going through. And I think that's something that jumped out at me when you were talking is that's definitely something I relate to is about mm. communication. It's very, very easy to, to bottle up your struggles mm. and to put on a, a sunny, a sunny face. <laughs> and actually what you need to do is you need to say, you know what, I'm really don't know what to do about this particular aspect of my business. Does anyone know anybody that can help me? Does anyone else have this problem? And even just by sharing it, you actually distance yourself from what you're going through and you can take a step back. And like you said, you can make better decisions when you're not in the thick of the moment. Mm. So um, I think all of that's really, really useful. Yeah. And so tell us about, this is the other thing I'm a bit interested in is, but tell us about your day. How do you build these habits into your day? Because it's, it's, it's all very well learning your lesson. And I've certainly mm -hmm. learned some big lessons on the way. How yeah. do you ensure that, you know, in your day to day that you actually continue to put in place the lessons you've learned and don't just slide back into the old habits? Um, that's a really good question, actually. Nowadays, um, I, I, I do have a, a almost like a mental check in probably on most days as to where I am. Have I done today what I should have done? Is there anything I should have done differently? Uh, and one of the questions I asked myself, was I better today than yesterday? So it doesn't matter whether I was, you know, I'm not looking at massive increases in, in productivity or whatever. It's just about what was I better in, in some way? And I think if you can just check in like that, um, and, and it's almost like living consciously. I, th I think if you get into a point where, like the day's gone by and you wonder what the hell happened and I, what did I do, then that's a good time to check in with, well, actually, you know, the days are just slipping by at the moment. I'm not really conscious of what's going on. It's almost like it's all happening on autopilot. And um, one of the things that I talk about a lot is, is, is not allowing yourself to go onto that autopilot all the time. Sometimes you can do. You can do, and you you need to actually. You know, you you can't. Your brain has only got a certain amount of capacity in a day. Um, but allow yourself to check in with yourself, and if you're finding that um, 
uh, I'd lost a train of thought there. But if if you're finding that at the end of the day, you're not really, um, you can't really recall most of the day, then I think that's a that's a sign when you really need to think. Well, okay, what should I do about this? And what I what I do, and that was the question, wasn't it? What what do I do now? Is I always ask myself, do I need to do this, or does some, can somebody else do this for me? You know, and 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 when I another question that I teach my my um, my clients is that if someone if one of their team come to them with a problem, the first thing you should ask them before you start fixing the problem or giving them an answer is to say, well, what would you do if I wasn't here? And giving them the opportunity to come with a, with an answer rather than just the question or the problem. And it's amazing how quickly people then start to come to you with two things, the, the problem and, and, and a, a possible solution that you can say yes or no to, which takes away or, or, or um, it allows somebody else to make a decision. And I've got this thing that we've only got a certain amount of decision-making power in a day, you know, and once you've used it, it's gone. So if you can get other people to make decisions for you, then then allow them to do it. I was on, yeah. I, was, I was talking to my, um, my website designer this morning and I said, I said, actually said to him, I said, look, you lead the way and you tell me what the next step is. The, what I don't want for you is to say, what do you want me to do next? If you come to me to say, right, we've completed that bit. What I see next is what we should be doing is this. The worst I'm going to say is no, but most of the time I'm going to say yes. But what he's done is he's made the decision for me. He's, he's allowed me to say, well, okay, is that the right thing? Do I want to do that? I can just say yes or no, and I've got to think about what it is. So in other words, it takes a lot less brain power, and I can move on to the next thing rather than having to dwell on it for too long. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does, yeah. So that's, um, that, so that, that's, a, that's a strategy that works really well for me, and I, I try to instill that into my, um, my clients so that they – pass over that responsibility um to their their team and their suppliers whenever possible as well yeah i think it's also really useful to to pass things back to people like you said and Mm. instead of um being the the source of every decision that gets made in your business Mm. is to bounce the question back and empower people to make a decision that's right for them and that's certainly something that it's it's better for you but it's also better for your team because you you don't skill people up if they become responsible for every aspect of their role uh by asking you what the right thing to do is Mm. you know your your responsibility in a way is to to find out what their next step is and how they want to advance their own career and and to empower them to do that and then i mean for for a long time i was a i was a teacher and i was a head of department and then an assistant head teacher and there were times when I was managing teams of 10 or 12 people and um depending on the crisis and there was always a crisis Mm. it was was almost always better to say to people well you know yeah like you said assuming I'm not here how would you manage this without me Mm. um any other any other tips that you've got any other final bits of advice that you'd offer your listeners besides the fact that you know if you're struggling as a leader that's normal get help mm. uh, get a bit of distance and delegate if you can is there anything else you'd like to share 
Um, I, I think um, a few other bits and pieces, actually, I think will be worth mentioning. Firstly, um, don't get, um, what's the word? Just don't get stuck in fear. So almost like paralyzed by fear. Because sometimes when you're making uh, decisions on behalf of others, sometimes you can feel as if you're paralyzed by this fear of getting something wrong. So so it's, a, it's about being courageous and going with your conviction sometimes, actually, and feeling... At the, at the end of the day, if you're, you're a leader, you are setting the agenda. You're, you're allowing... Um, you're setting the pace and where things are going. So you've got to remember that you, your team will be looking for that, but also empowering them at the same time. So you're not always just um, having to take the lead, encouraging them to to make their, you know, to, to allow them to to have their input as well. Because most people want some sort of autonomy so that they, they can make their own decisions. So um, allow them to... Um, be clear on what you want the outcome to be, where you want to go, but also so at the same time allow them to to have some input as to how we're going to get there. So, uh, so again, it's another way of um, um, sharing the responsibility. So, being brave and courageous is really important. Um, uh, and also remember that you are coaching your team. You're you're not instructing your team. You're coaching them along the way. So get into that sort of mindset that I'm here to help my team, not by telling them what to do all the time, but actually being there as a support. One of the things that I talk about a lot within the leadership program is about the challenge and support scenario. And yes, we need to be supportive, but we also need to challenge at the same time. And it's getting a, that balance right. If you can get that balance right, then that's when you really see your your team and your people really start flying because they know that they have to. There are certain things that are set as a challenge, but at the same time, they know that the, that they have the support behind them, so that they, they that drives them forward, knowing that if they get it wrong, they're not suddenly going to be put on. You know you know, you know, on the a naughty boy or girl's uh, step, if they know that the support's there, that, you know, yeah. everyone gets things wrong now and again, then then um, they will then work better for you. If they feel that, that every time they get things wrong, then that that uh, is going to go against them, then they're going to obviously hold back. So that's, yeah, yeah. that's an, an important thing. Uh, and going on a bit from bit more from that is actually to make sure that with your team, you're catching them doing things right and not always catching them doing things wrong, which is a, um, a key thing to learn. If we are in a leadership uh, or any position, actually, where it's very easy to find fault in things. But when things go right, we forget to mention it. Uh, and if you can consciously remember that when you see things are going right, make sure that it's reinforced. Because if you reinforce a good behavior or a good outcome, you're more likely to get more of it. And if you don't reinforce it or mention it, then, then they won't know whether it was right or not. They just have to guess or assume it was right. Yeah, yeah, precisely. Really good. Okay, thank you for that. It's important to find the good 
in your team as well as keeping an eye out for the mistakes and to mm-hmm. share that with them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, how will they know that what, what they're doing is right? Yep. Really, really good point. Thank yep. you. Okay, so that kind of brings us almost to the end of um, this podcast. Mm-hmm. The thing I'd like to ask you, as it's November, we've got just about a month till Christmas. Is there anything that you're hoping for this year? Um, I'm hoping for, oh, I, I could be a bit corny and say, you know, peace for the world and all that sort of stuff. But obviously I, I'm a, um, I, I want that. Um, and with the turmoil that's going on at this time of year and, and certain places in the world, or even just on our doorstep, it's, um, you, you do just wish that people just get on better. <laughs> that would be nice. Um, whether that's too wishful, I don't know. But, but personally, yeah. personally, I hold more, more regard for presence as opposed to presence, if you know what I mean. So I, I, I'd rather have or spend time with people than actually receive a gift from somebody. Uh, I think the gift oh. of presence, um, being with people, is far more valuable than any any other um, any any present very good so this christmas give your give your loved ones the gifts of your presence rather than any actual presents yeah i think <laughs> okay. so yeah cool <laughs> How all right well thank you very much for having me on and it's been really interesting to hear the journey that you've been on and um i'll definitely tune in to the coming episodes thank you joe i'm, I'm really appreciative appreciative of you doing this and um we um, i'm hope we'll uh, catch up very soon Thank you for listening today. As action leads to outcomes, make sure you make a note to start, stop, or continue doing whatever struck a chord in this episode. Don't forget to subscribe at thereluctantleader.co.uk where you'll find links to all the past episodes, blogs, blogs, and how you can get in touch with me. Until next time, bye for now.